Hey, we're back and welcome to another episode of The Other Way Podcast where two Asian guys navigate modern life with creative intervention. This is Nick. And I'm David. And today we're going to talk about money, money, money. That's right, which is a very important topic if you were to properly take a sustainable path of a digital nomad or entrepreneur. Yeah, well, and if you're not onto one of these tracks, it's equally important life skill which could make or break your livelihood because knowing your money, where your money flows is probably the first step of any sort of freedom, right? So today we're going to talk about how to manage your finances, our approaches to this, and lastly, a few tips and tools you could use if you were a digital nomad or entrepreneur. Exciting. Are you ready? Let's begin. So David, you know, when you ask most people, especially when I ask my friends, right, about their finances, I think more than likely at least 60% would not actually be comfortable to share with you about it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and the thing is that everyone is curious about each other's finances. Uh, we use proxies to figure that out, whether it be your job, possessions like a car or house, lifestyle like travel dining experience. And it's not to brag or feel better about yourself, Right. It's more understanding about how they manage their money and seeing if you could use some of their strategies. Right, But it's often a taboo topic for various reasons, both in the West and the East, and it shouldn't be. Mm, I agree, right? And I think most people fall, likely fall into these three categories of uh, when you ask them about their finances. Number one could be like they are uncomfortable because they don't like the idea of you knowing how much they earn or spend. So it feels like a little bit of a taboo. Number two is that they feel ashamed of their overall financial situation. Is, is Am I earning too much or am I earning too little? You know, So it's double-edged sword. Whether is it too much or too little, some people feel ashamed. And number three is simply because like the mention of like financial, personal finances, it just gets them into this whole anxiety attack because why? Uh, they don't exactly know where their money is going, right? So I think if you fall into one and two, that is pretty fine. But if you point in bucket three, where you know, mentioning your financial, your personal finances gives you the anxiety because you don't know where your money is going, then you have a problem, right? So today we're gonna kind of dive in into this. And if you you think your finances are your finances are in a mess, we want to kind of share some tips on how you can better work on it. So today we're gonna introduce our approach to planning our finances. And after kind of cross-sharing with me, you know, uh, me and David, we, we spoke about it. We realized that approach to planning our finances kind of matches in a way in that our approach can be distilled into three very simple steps. What is it? Right. So we decided to call it the, the SIP method or SIP. Yep. Yeah. And by SIP, we mean shed, invest, plan. So shed all unnecessary expenses, invest into assets, and plan in smart ways to live the life you want without sacrificing lifestyle. Yes, and why SIP is also because the more you practice planning your finances with this method, the more you can kind of sit back, relax and sip your cup of coffee or tea and let your days just pass by in a calm, relaxing manner, right? Because everything is in control. Isn't that good? So let's talk about shedding our expenses, right? Like the, the, first, the first component of SIP, right? I feel this is so, so important, you know, like David, uh, because many people find it probably one of the toughest to do. You know, we are always kind of like very much ingrained in our own lifestyles, our, our way of uh, living. And sometimes I wonder as well, why do we spend on the things we spend? 
Yeah. So I think it's the culture of the modern world, right? So, you know, we tend to associate lifestyle as a proxy for income and wealth, right? So, you know, you might live a high lifestyle, but you know, that's not really, you know, it's not necessarily predictive of actually how much wealth or income you have, right? Because, you know, you could be spending that kind of high lifestyle, but, you know, you still could be at the end of the day living paycheck to paycheck. You could also be going into debt with credit cards, or, you know, you actually might have the money and just like, and still saving a lot, right? And so I, I think, right, it is kind of, we we live our lives in this kind of, we just go into like robot mode, right? And so we spend and spend and spend without intention. And I think that seeps into sort of modern day life, right? And I think ultimately that leads to the fact that, you know, a lot of people have the wrong mindset of money, right? That, that maybe people use it as a tool to sort of, as a signaling device, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, money is really there, right? Money buys freedom opportunity. It should not be used to show off how much better you are than other people. Interesting, right? And I think this also ties a little bit back to the concept of self-worth in that, you know, what exactly is self-worth to you? What is your concept of self-worth, right? Uh, if you're able to kind of properly iron that whole concept out for yourself, I can assure you that you will more than likely be able to lay down the principle of how you look at your own finances with that principle in, in mind. So it's not a, probably not about your Balenciaga shoes, your Valentino coach bags, you know, your lavish lifestyles, where you're at, you know, want to be seen and be spending like heaps of money monthly just to kind of substantiate how you match your worth to people. And I think pro hint, right? Your self-worth shouldn't really be tied to who you look or what you own, right? So maybe just sharing a little bit more of how I look at my expenses uh, as an entrepreneur. My spendings are typically split into two main parts and that is lifestyle and business, right? So for life, for those who know me, I typically like to enjoy a little bit of a comfort in life because that's what I work for, right? I like good food, you know, places with nice ambiences, fun social activities, and more than anything, I like a good sit-down meal with a friend or a loved one. So as as a person who kind of loves these experiences, I often ask myself, how can I design a lifestyle with the lowest cost possible without compensating too much on the quality? And I highly design that whole thing into a system, right? What do I mean by that? For my everyday outings and my, like for restaurant haunts and everything, I typically have credit cards that give me cash back on transactions made. So that's that's in a way, whatever I spend, I get back, right? And in Asia, there's really a lot of like loyalty apps, you know, payment systems. So there's a thing called Shopback, uh, Faith Pay. These are apps, right? Shouts to them. That gives you rebates, you know, on every everyday spend. So it could be your spend at like uh, cafes or it could be online spend on your marketplaces, right? So this is pretty, pretty cool as well. It gives me back money for whatever I already need. For gym, I do some kind of like an arbitrage kind of hack for, I used to go to fitness first and I was signed out as a Malaysia member some time ago and I use it in Singapore. So doing that kind of helps me to pay half the price of what Singaporeans are paying, which saves me a lot of money. Then we go down to like the business aspects of uh, my expenses, right? And I typically what I do is I do e-commerce sites, right? I do a little bit of print and demand and I'm also exploring a little bit into uh, Amazon FBA. And for businesses, I typically try to scout as much as possible reviews on YouTube, you know, forums and what's the cheapest yet the best apps and services right so what do i mean by this for example for my e-commerce websites i'm sure most of you know about shopify right but did you know shopify is actually really really expensive and you could do exactly the same thing even more with wordpress 
for example. Like sure, it, it probably takes a little bit more like technical knowledge, but WordPress, going with WordPress instead of Shopify for an online e-commerce store at least saves you at least two-thirds of the cost. And that's that's a lot, you know, like when, when you stack it up month, month to month. And for the add-on functionality for like lead generation and like web content management, you know, we can go a, a little bit onto that uh, in another podcast, you know. I use this thing called Thrive Themes versus uh, for WordPress versus a popular service like ClickFunnels, you know. And that is exactly one-tenth of the cost. So that's a lot of savings that, that goes into it. And uh, we can definitely go in deeper into these hacks and everything. But I think the essence of being a successful entrepreneur, running your own business is really knowing this, right? The business that allows you to fail more is likely to be the business that has the greatest chance of succeeding. And I think we all know that cash flow is definitely the deepest essence of that. So coming back to the whole topic of like, you know, shedding your expenses. I think one thing about knowing how to manage it as an entrepreneur for my for my for my case, I think being resourceful helps a lot. You think? Yeah. You know, and and also in addition to that, you know, I think of it as having a vision for your money, right? So when I kind of close my eyes and think about, you know, where do I see myself in a year, five years from now, I think it really helps me think about how I should allocate my money to fit that vision, right? So, you know, when I think about myself as a nomad, right, I think of myself as, you know, still continuing this lifestyle, wherever that is in the world, right? One year, two years, five years down the line. And so with that, right, and especially being a nomad, you know, it cuts down on a lot of things that I don't need, right? So I can only travel with one suitcase, one backpack. So in a way, it's great. It's very limiting, right? I can only buy so many physical things. Right? I can't buy like 20 fancy watches or like a whole wardrobe of clothes, right? I need to think about that efficiently. So just for the sheer um, nature of what I am, it is actually, you know, it helps me to be resourceful, right? I, I can only buy clothes that are you know, functional, right? I, I can't buy really fancy clothes, nor do I want to, right? And when I think about it in terms of sort of these bigger ticket items, because I'm kind of moving around, or maybe I live in a place for six months, you know, I can't buy a car, I can't buy a house, because I'm not going to be living there for 20 years. And so I think those are one of the two big expenses in my life, right? And it helps me kind of shed that out. It's not to say that I won't buy it in the future, right? But I just won't buy it now for where I am in my life. And even with the smaller things too, with gadgets, you know, such as a new iPhone or new iWatch, which I love, by the way, I love Apple products. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to think about this and I can, right? I mean, I could buy a an iPhone every year. But, you know, I think about this, well, do I really need it, right? Do I, can I take steps to sort of save money to maybe buy a new iPhone every three years, right? Which I think is probably much more doable. So I I kind of, I'm, I'm intentionally thinking about that, right? And I think it really does help me sort of to live my life, but not, to, not at the same time, not be so dogmatic, right? That I can, you know, do that and, and kind of think about not only intentional about things that I buy, but also with places that I live, right? So I don't need to live in these expensive places like London, like New York, like Singapore throughout, right? I could visit them for maybe a month or two <laughs> yes. out of the year, right? Especially Singapore, mm -hmm. um, where you live. But it, it really does help me to to sort of like yeah, to sort of, you know, live the lifestyle that I want with my budget without sacrificing, sort of without scrimping by. So oftentimes I think about it, right? Like having a good saving strategy is key, you know, but on the flip side, it's knowing where to put your money so that it begins working and making money for you. 
That's very uh, interesting, which also is a fantastic segue into our second segment of uh, SIP, right? Which is the invest portion of it. So let's talk maybe a little bit on the investment part, right, of the SIP plan. For me, I think I've only learned about investment, especially because of the pandemic, you know, like luckily for the pandemic, I had a little bit more time to sit down and research on how investment works. So I'm not too much of an expert, but high level, I think it's, it's really about making the money work for you in due time, right? So rather than having your money having to rather to like dispense your own energy and time for money in return you kind of put money so that it works for you to bring money back i'm still pretty new in the game you know david do you have any interesting principles to share with our listeners on how you invest as a nomad yeah i have tons i've been investing for the last i think 15 years about so Mm. you know when i first started my job when i was uh, 20 you know 21 22 you know i used to invest in traditional stocks uh you know during the you know the late 2000s and of course like the financial crisis hit right so it didn't it didn't turn out so well and you know i kind of learned the hard way so you know i lost some money there but you know over after that i'm only invested now in mostly index funds so you know what is an index fund if you don't know what that is it's basically a fund that buys a basket of stocks right so you're essentially buying the entire market and you get great diversification all in one fund so you know i might have a fund that buys the entire sort of u.s stock market another fund that buys an international stock fund, another fund that buys a US bond fund. So the key for me is like diversification, diversification and such and so forth, right? Because, you know, when you put your eggs into one basket, one stock, sometimes the stock can do really well and you can make a lot of money, right? So maybe Apple and Amazon. On the flip side, you might invest in a stock that doesn't do so well and it could go, go down to zero, right? And so, you know, that has happened for maybe companies like uh, General Electric, right? Mm-hmm. So so I, I don't... <laughs> I don't have the stomach for it anymore. I'm I'm much more risk adverse as I get older. And obviously my experience in the past, right? So because of that, I don't invest too much in traditional stocks anymore. Nice. Well, thanks thanks a lot for sharing, man, David. Appreciate it. For me, I think I am slightly, probably a little bit different. For me, I break my stocks into two buckets, right? One is for the dividends kind of stocks and the other one is kind of for companies I love and think have a huge potential for future growth. For the dividends portion, I don't typically am able to invest in US dividend stocks because I have to pay a 30% withholding tax and therefore it doesn't really make sense for me in terms of dividends. I Literally, it's gone before it comes to me. <laughs> yeah, but I do invest in like uh, Singapore real estate trust stocks, so which kind of pays about 3 to 4% annually, not too bad. And for companies I love, you know, which I see future growth potential, I think it's uh, kind of nice to just follow, you know, their, their earnings, you know, what, what they're doing, what new things they're doing. And typically my philosophy of how I choose these companies is these companies have this thing what I call network effect right and by network I mean companies who don't just do one one thing so they just don't uh, sell just one product they are they have multiple codependent pillars in their businesses which people actively use from a day-to-day uh, basis and this is what makes them strong right they are kind of like part and uh, partly ingrained in people's lives and that's what makes them for lack of a better term you know like sticky right so come some companies that are in this bucket range from your apple you know your amazon in southeast asia there's this uh, company called c who is also the owner of garena mastercard visa and tesla is also something that i invest in because uh really it's, it's because of like the elon musk and i'm a very big fan of him but once again listeners uh we're no investment experts so just a very big disclaimer here in any form of investments that you're going to do you know like be sure to just 
do your own research, cover your own strategy, read up more and talk to friends who invest often, right? I think that's always a good starting step. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, one thing, Nick, is that the key is like investing matters. And I think, you know, I didn't, highlight, I didn't highlight, highlight this before, but mm-hmm. a lot of people think about just saving, right? Like, oh, for example, if I want to save a million dollars, I actually need to save $1 million. And I said, no, you don't need to actually, you know, you could save like over the course of that getting to a million dollars, you only might need to save a portion of that, say like 500000 and then you let your investments grow with time, right? And so I think that's what escapes a lot of people about that concept of like saving and investing. And those are kind of two different things. Mm, yeah, very well said, actually. I sometimes also wonder like how much exactly do we need to put aside for investments monthly? You know, what's actually a good portion? How, how do you do that, David? Yeah, so... You know, I think the simplest thing is like having a budget. So you kind of know how much money it's your cash flow, right? Like it's almost how much you have coming in. And then if you kind of stick with your budget, then whatever's left over, you could actually potentially put that into an, an investment, right? So I kind of think of it as as invest or save as much as you can, right? Without sacrificing your lifestyle. And then, you know, that's kind of sort of the measure. So I think there's kind of open goalposts, right? Depending on your income and depending on your lifestyle, right? So, you know, the first thing for me is like the budgeting. Mm, would you be open to kind of share your budget with us like how do you break yeah, down of budget? Course. yeah that'd be nice yeah so you know it's a it's a tool for me to sort of you know help me plan and invest better obviously so you know when i kind of ventured out uh, outside of america and actually let me take a step back so you know when i was in live when i was living in la uh, san francisco the budgets can I, I kind of ask my friends a little bit like hey how much do you spend a month like how much do you budget and it just varies wildly right mm-hmm. i think in la it's really really hard to spend less than three thousand four thousand usd a month and that's including you know going out and rent all that things and maybe san francisco is like five to six thousand a month usd so that's quite high right so i took those numbers and i said okay well let me try to figure out what that's my lifestyle what would that be kind of doing this nomad thing you know living half the year in a sort of low-cost country part of the year in a medium-cost country and then a little bit in a high-cost country so i took that and i came up with around a three thousand USD a month baseline budget. So if I were to break that $3,000 down into buckets, uh, I would do 800 for rent, 350 for food and dining, 350 for entertainment. And that's including like alcohol budget, going out and doing stuff, things like that. 300 for shopping, uh, for example, like clothes, equipment, incidentals, 100 for transportation, 150 for health, fitness, personal care. And this is including gym, haircuts, doctors, pharmacy, health insurance, $100 for a co-working space, and then like 350 for everything else. So like mobile phone, like donations, uh, gifts, other types of insurance. So that brings you to around 2500 and I a lot uh, $500 for traveling. And so mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily traveling every month, but you know, in a quarter, right? I might go to a new place. And so that adds up to maybe like 1500 per quarter. And so, but I, I slot in on a monthly basis so I could then plan for that accordingly, right? So so I think that's pretty healthy when I look at, when I look at the breakdowns, right? It's I think it's fabulous, right? If you are compared to an American living in say San Francisco, Los Angeles, or New York. And, and people say, well, that's very high, right? If you're living in Chiang Mai, well, 3000 is a lot. And that is true, right? So I think, you know, there's a little adjustment there depending on where you live. But, you know, with the pandemic, 
this year, I've actually spent a lot less than the 3000 So this, you know, over the last nine months, I've maybe spent on average 2000 a month. So I'm looking to spend maybe 25000 this year. And that's that's pretty good. That's like one third less than I forecasted. And I don't think I've actually sacrificed a lot. I mean, obviously, I couldn't go out as much during because I was locked down in Singapore. And, you know, with things not being open and I want to go to crowded places, I think that's because of what has happened. But even with that, you know, I don't think it would have been much less than would have been much more had it not been the case. So I think I've been really happy about that so far, hoping that there's nothing crazy that happens, you know, that, that nothing crazy happens in the next month and a half. That's unforeseen, like an unf- unforeseen expense. That's pretty interesting, you know, David. I didn't expect 3K USD to be that, that which is very similar to my own living expenses in Singapore as well. So comparatively, I would think yours would be slightly higher. Yeah, but but that that's quite shocking to me. So considering I still live with my parents, right, in Singapore, and most of the food and lodging are shared costs, I think for me personally, my household expenses um go about like six hundred monthly, right, and probably for basic survival, this is uh, the likes of your food, you know, transport. When when it's not like the when you're not going out with friends or anything, that's about like uh one point one. Okay, your my insurance is about five hundred monthly, and I dedicate about five hundred to one k, depending on how tight my pocket is uh, for investments, and the rest of it is just uh recreation and entertainment with friends, and that's about one point two k. So once in a while, before the pandemic, I I kind of dedicate about like maybe three k one off for per trip overseas. Uh, so this probably goes about like maybe six to nine k in a year. Yeah, so all in all, I think it's about 3k USD also depending um, monthly for me to survive in Singapore. But this is also during because uh, during the pandemic, I definitely spent a lot less, which is good, man. Yeah, one interesting thing is that our budgets are pretty similar, like you mm-hmm. said. And that is to say, right, being a, being a nomad is actually not expensive. Like you could travel right to a new location every couple of months and you could live in Airbnbs and you could, you know, live a good life for, you know, sometimes i would say oftentimes less but if it's yep. not if, but definitely not more right so so i think that is the the key takeaway here is that that it will not break the bank yeah, because right. people think of like traveling as an inherently expensive endeavor, and it really isn't, right? If you know how to plan correctly for it and like have a have a plan, right? No, know, knowing where you spend your money or having these tools. Mm. And I think the beauty of today, right, is that we have the technology to help us plan better. And so, you know, I've been using a lot of these, you know, I've been reading blogs, obviously, that helps me kind of think about, okay, well, what is what is the average nomad spending? living abroad. But I also use a lot of budgeting apps. And so, you know, when I began my financial investing career, right, not my career, my hobby, my activities when I was younger, I also coupled that with using a uh, budgeting app, right? And so in the US, a very popular budgeting app that I've been using since 2010 is called Mint. And it is uh, aggregator. So you, you open an account and you basically pulls in your financial data from your bank accounts, your investment accounts, your credit card accounts. So you could look at, right, it pulls in like your credit card accounts, which allows you to budget. So lets you know how much you are spending a month. It pulls in your bank account information. So you know how much money you're coming in through your salary, right? How much is coming in. So then the leftover, you're right, you could invest it in the investment accounts and you could see your nest egg grow over time. And so a really important feature that you that I like to use in the app is called trends and it basically could plot your expenses over weeks months or years or your net worth over years and so it's really crazy right it's like i've 
to going from nothing, right, uh, <laughs> very little in 2010, to a sizable nest egg now, 10 years later in 2020. You know, I, I've, it's been, it's been great. It's been very, very refreshing and rewarding to see that progress, right? And so I've been really grateful that you know these tools exist to to have allowed me to get to where I am today. Ooh. And so I, I, you know, I wonder, Nick, are there resources out there that are similar in Singapore? Yeah, we do have like um, some blogs as well. Like there's this thing called Sidley, uh, which also gives us a lot of like cool financial hacks you know because we like like for your 401 401k right we have this thing like called cpf and everything and we have a lot of ways that you can kind of play the game to invest your money in certain buckets so that it gives you more returns over time then you you also have uh i'm not sure if you guys have a lot of those loyalty apps or like little 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 cool apps that give you rebates is that popular in the u.s yeah i mean we we do have you know, there's actually something called uh, I can't forget the name. It's like you you download a, a web browser extension mm-hmm. and it and it gives you when you go on a site, it will tell you whether uh, it's cheaper on a different site. And I I've known a lot of people use it. And there's also ways to like hack, right? Hack yep, your savings, yep, yep. hack your spending. So I definitely agree. I have tons of that in America. Something like a uh, skyscanner. Is, is that like yeah. property, right? Yeah. Um, I think in Asia, it's probably a little bit more intense than that because <laughs> Asia being Asia, <laughs> right? So we have things like, earlier I mentioned there's this shop back app. So it's kind of like a partner, partner partnership app. So this app partners with a lot of like restaurants, you know, like they partner with uh, a lot of brands and everything where people shop at. So... And typically, it's like like a traffic aggregator, right? If you go through ShopBack, you you can get at least like maybe two to three percent rebates on whatever orders you purchase on these sites. And to make it even more enticing, when you go onto the sites, right, there would be a lot of uh little little tricks like vouchers you can claim if you play this game, for example, or if you you bought like maybe like a a product from before, you know, you get like loyalty points that you can offset with like coins and everything. So there's multi level of the amount of discounts that you can get and that kind of builds back the whole rebate game, right? So, so it's it's like the more the more you shop, the more you get back in terms of returns, and then therefore you'll shop more with this, um, <laughs> brands and and apps, yeah, yeah. So they have, yeah, they have but you got to be know, careful, yeah. It can, mm. it can feed a self defeat, yeah. It can, it can exactly. feed like a very bad, vicious spending cycle. So you have to be worried about that. Same yep. thing with like the cashback credit cards, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I mean that that's definitely a way. If you use it correctly. Yep. So those, I think listeners definitely keep to your whole planning, planning on what you actually need. Yeah. But once you take this, this portion onto what, how you, onto only the products that you need, it becomes a very powerful tool, right? Yep. So in, in relation to that, I think um, in terms of tracking apps and everything, and in Singapore, like the banks are also trying to keep up. So like in DBS, you will be the banks in Singapore. They have this uh, new feature in, in our banking uh, apps which kind of splits your credit card spend into the various categories and they tell you on a month-on-month basis whether are you overspending, underspending, you know, like what categories are you spending, right? So it, so do you spend more on online shopping this month versus last month, you know, food and t- entertainment, yeah. It breaks down into pretty intricate uh, buckets which I love, yeah. So I technically kind of spend mostly with credit cards these days instead of cash because it's trackable, right? And when it's trackable, you know the numbers, it's easier for you to just build a whole um, tracker sheet to see where your money is going on a month-to-month basis, right? Also, to your point, I um, I noticed you mentioned Mint earlier. So I, I, saw, I saw that platform. It was really cool, man. Um, there's another thing called Acons as well online. 
Uh, unfortunately, when I tried to test it, I realized, hey, a lot of uh, third-party apps don't really integrate so well with um, these apps. I think so these apps are probably bigger than the US. Most probably, there will be a Singapore equivalent of that. I've not seen that yet. But I've used Wally. You know, I'm not sure if I like it that much. I know it's it's pretty it's quite pretty, right? The the interface and everything. But so going back to my whole core desire of freedom as yeah, as a desire. I prefer my tracking, especially for my finances, to be as flexible as possible. So call, call me traditional or maybe you call them like rebel for just wanting the freedom to track it the way I want it, right? I have built like a pretty intense Google sheet that tracks my all my credit card spends, you know, my investments, my insurance, uh, every every form of spend I will document it down on a month-to-month basis. And this this kind of really gives me a very high level view of like how much cash flow do I have uh in the coming six months, you no, know, nine months, you no, know, um years to come. I do know what's my total net worth and uh I can probably build graphs as well, you know, with the raw data. I think that's a very useful way for me to just get a bird's eye view which really helps me to plan on a month-to-month basis day-to-day basis and you can see my my day-to-day i just feel like okay i can spend this amount i i kind of know where this will end up you know that this will be probably part of my two to three k monthly spend because that's already kind of like a pattern that i observe only if i did the tracking right right so i so listeners i really highly recommend like if you don't have this kind of system going forward you know you can download wally that's a good starting point but if you're like me you like the whole freedom you know can you can just build like a google tracking sheet for yourself just enter your your monthly spend on a monthly basis and see where you see 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 the patterns of how you're spending your money and it's really a revelation i would say yeah, exactly, right? I, I think, you know, you don't have to be so like like pedantic about filling it out, right? If you come in a little under over, that's fine. But I think normally like the discovery piece, right? What if you f- decide, what if you find out that you're spending way over the, your forecasted spend, right? That's a that's a problem, right? If you're budgeting 3000 you're spending like 6000 That's mm-hmm. like, okay, like, thank you, you know, for... <laughs> Thank you that the sheet identified some major points. Or, you know, when you have sub buckets and you're saying, man, I spent so much money in restaurants, but like hardly anything on like my health and fitness. Well, maybe you could like, you could uh, adjust, right? Rebalance that so that you can kind of bring things into sync a little bit, right? So saying, you know, not eating out as much. So I, I think it'd be really, it's really interesting. Like I've, I've discovered more about who I was, right? Because a budget is like looking at a mirror, right? It, refl- it, it encapsulates your core values. And so that's why I think it is actually very important, right? And it's actually not that hard to do, right? Like you said, Nick, it's just, you have all these tools already. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't, it's not like it's so hard to maybe just take a couple of minutes a week and just like filling out, you know, looking at your app, your credit card app and just like transferring it over, downloading it and just putting it into a spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. I think I think if you feel that it's uh, probably too daunting a task, you know, don't know where to start. Yeah, I think just a good place to start is just to just document your monthly spend, credit card spend. It's as easy as that. As you go on, you you start to realize like, hey, can I can I track this in this way? You know, can I break it down into this this category and everything? Like for me, over time I started, you know, like on top of like tracking my investment bucket, um, uh, how much I put into investments monthly, I also have a another column that tracks you know like how much are my investments doing and then from there i kind of have another cell cell that tells me the roi of this investment piece right so it just tracks yeah so it's it's very it can be as holistic as you want to be but only if you start 
from step one, which is just documenting those numbers of your life insight. Yeah. Mm. And like, you know, I think it's really important. And, you know, as we're wrapping up, I just want to ask, right, if there's one thing you want to share with listeners, what would it be about all of this? For me, I think one key takeaway, which would be a nice takeaway, by the way, would be if you can control your finances, you can definitely control your life. Yeah, that's just amazing. And I completely agree with that as well. So yeah, I think we're in a good place. So SIP, guys, uh, life gets easier when you practice SIP. (laughs) Yep. And uh, well, listeners out there, you know, like, what are your thoughts about financial planning? You know, where are you, man, like, in your financial planning journey? Like, feel free to just really DM, DM us. Tell us your finances, uh, your story about your, your planning, you know, like, if there's any bad experiences that you encountered, which kind of make you learn, or like, if you want tips and advices, you know, we're not experts, but we can try to help you. We can be found on Instagram at the other way cast spelled t-h-e-o-t-h-e-r-w-a-y-c-a-s-t uh, and meanwhile if you have supporting questions topics you would like us cover in a, a subsequent episode please feel free to let us know and we'll try to tackle it in the next topic yeah if you enjoyed this podcast please hop on Apple iTunes give us a 5 star rating and review as it helps us gain more visibility on air which gives us more opportunities to connect to more listeners like you. And be sure to catch our future episodes next week as we dive into more tips and anecdotes relating to navigating your modern life. Right, so stay tuned and bye for now. See you next week.